Hello and welcome to the only podcast that's all about Fort Meade, our community, and life in the military. I'm your host, Joe Nieves. And I'm your co-host, Sherry Kuiper, and you're listening to Fort Meade Declassified. Happy St. Patrick's Day, Joe! <laughs> I know this is coming out on St. Patrick's Day. It's okay. It's but so we are recording St. Patrick's Day. I am festively decked Green. out. A lot of green? Yeah, lots of green, as you can see. My shamrocks. With shamrocks, yeah. See my shoes? I know. I thought those were great. Yeah, my shoes are awesome. Yeah. Do they have a shamrock on the back, too? They do. Oh, that's awesome. Three clovers, not four. Three is a shamrock. I have a green hat. That should kind of count. It does count. It's military colored, but it's still green. It's green. Yeah. The Army is fully in support of of St. Patrick's Day, humble opinion, because they have green uniforms. Yeah, I agree. So... Counts. They're all good. Nobody's going to be pinching any of our soldiers today. Should count. <laughs> I It does. Yeah. They, there's no definition of what color of green. It just has to be it green. It just has to be green. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So I hope, that, I hope that you all enjoyed a wonderful St. Patrick's Day by the time you are yeah. listening. A safe St. Patrick's Day. Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Well, wonderful. To, I mean, keep the shenanigans to a, a limit, you know. Yeah. Fun shenanigans. Always. Shenanigans always. <laughs> <laughs> always partaking in shenanigans. All yes. right. Joe, we both got our Dunkin' today. Again, we this do. is not sponsoring Dunkin' Donuts. It just happened to be strategically placed right outside the installation, and it's the gate I come in. <laughs> Very strategic. I know. <laughs> Very smart. If it were any coffee place, I would patron it. True. I hope that's okay to say. I think so. But if it were not for for the coffee, daylight savings time is really... Oh. Really got me good. Yeah, daylight savings <laughs> is beating week. me down. I mean, it's it's only, it's only an hour, right? But for that hour, just ooh. to have it be ripped from my soul, <laughs> needlessly. Right? It's it's just oh, it's we're at the so mercy of daylight savings. I know this. It's so it's so we're talking about how how archaic the reason for daylight right. savings. Is. Now, growing up, I was always taught to believe the lie that it had to do with farming. Right. But then I know farmers and they're like, yeah, that's not, it's not true. A thing. Yeah. That's not real. And I was like, well, what? Yeah. And it's yeah. A, yeah. It's actually about when it came up initially, it was with Benjamin Franklin and it was about the candle making industry and that <laughs> they had, they were using too many candles during the darker days. So Benjamin Franklin suggested that they move to a daylight savings time and switch an hour ahead so that they could get more daylight in the darker months. Yes. And uh, it didn't even get passed into law then. It went on for several years. There were other famous people who made the same suggestion based on their needs. Like there was a scientist who was collecting insects and went more daylight hours to collect insects. So he was like, yes, daylight <laughs> Bugs and candles. Yeah, it's, just, it's so crazy that those were the reasons why it ended up becoming a law. And now, in 2022, no less, we're talking about doing away with daylight yes. savings. Yes, finally, there's some legislation out there. It's making its way through yeah. the process yeah. to, to do away with it. They do need some time if it does pass. Like, they can't do it right away. Right. I read something about the airplane industry. And I was like, I don't get that. With that, I mean, your planes will still leave at the same times. I don't know. More shenanigans. More shenanigans. But nonetheless, hopefully it's yeah. Hopefully it's coming. Uh, I know that I hope comes on when we're seeing more daylight in the day. Yeah, because we're tired. Yes, <laughs> I'm very tired. I am very tired. Some other shenanigans happening that is going to affect the commuters this mm-hmm. week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's already started, but Sunday night on March 20th at 9 p.m. 
the MAPES 175 gate shut down. Yep. Shenanigans, Joe. Shenanigans. And it will remain closed through Friday night, the 25th at 9 o'clock. Right. So okay. on Saturday, March 26th, it will reopen. Yep. Now, now, to keep in mind, or keep in mind, Rock and Road Access Point will be open 24 hours a day, and it will serve as the primary access control point and visitor control point during this time. Right. And it is, uh, there is some construction work that needs to be done at MAPES 175. Mm -hmm. They're doing it all in one shot, but that does require the closure of the gate. So for the remainder of this week, uh, yes, that gate is shut down. There are digital signs up. It's been all over our social media and everything. Mm -hmm. So hopefully the word is getting out. Tell your friends, uh, tell your tell your neighbors, tell everyone, because it is going to create some traffic issues there on 175. But again, just said, Rockenbach. The 24-hour gate week, mm. um, and then on Saturday morning when we all wake up, It'll everything be will be back to normal. Back to so, normal. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm also a little excited, Joe, because yes. I see you have brought a special guest, if you will, yes. to the office. You have a new partner in crime. I do. I would say, and her name is Jem. With the J. I'm with a J, like them in the holograms. Yeah, I love it. That's not who is named after. No, no, not into that. But Joe, who is Jem? Because so nobody can see what I see, see here, which makes me want to give some somebody all the pettins and, and snacks in the world. All the pets. So yeah. Who's Jem? All the pats and belly rubs. Yes. Um, not so a person. Not, not a person. person. <laughs> <laughs> when you're going to pats and belly rubs, I'm like, wait, whoa, folks. We're get, going to get to it here, but Jem... Jem is my service dog. Is your service yes. dog. Yes. So I received Jem. It's going now, going on about three weeks now. She is my service animal. Uh, I received through an organization called Canine Companions for Independence, or Canine Companions for short. I had been going through the process for several years, because uh, it's a long process. There's a lot of people who need help and a lot of people who need assistance. There's a long vetting process. There's uh, interviews to make sure that they know who you are before they can, you know, tell you who the what dog you're going to get. And, and then there's training and stuff. But Right. Uh, well, and you're, so for our listeners, hopefully you've picked up the fact that Joe is a trend. Yes. And so do you, what, what are you willing to, to tell us or what can you say about why you need Jem in your yeah. life? So this is this is weird because we're used to being the people behind the scenes and I know, you know it's it's a it, little it, tough but I think your story is really important yeah. and I think that there's a lot of people in this installation who can benefit right, and resonate right. with what I think you're about to say. Yeah, and and the thing is is I know there's a lot of, you know, even active duty people who probably deal with with these similar things. Uh so, you know, I I have PTSD. I I struggle with PTSD uh for time in Iraq and that isn't to say that somebody can't, you know, be struggling with PTSD from a live event that happened too. It's not just the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan that do those things. But I deal with a lot of hypervigilance and a lot of anxiety in public, uh, mostly from just, you know, we, we have to know everything that's going on. We right. have to see everybody. We have to know their, their body language. We have to make sure nothing's going to go down. We, we just, we are constantly reading the room. Right. And so it can get a little intense. It makes it hard for, for me to present when I'm out with my family yeah. and to limit my interactions with the public. I try not to, I don't go out much outside of work. 
and I'm sure in big crowds where it's hard for you to mentally assess yeah. the situation where it becomes overwhelming, that's probably... I. Yeah, Sounds it's like, like that's where you're overload. like, never mind, I'm not even going to bother. Right. It's like sensory overload. It's just right. too much information to process at any given time. So I tend to avoid those kind of scenarios anyways. Right. So Which stinks because you want to go out with your family. Right. You want to go to and the I, movie. And I have kids. Yeah. And it's fair to them that I'm not, you know, being the, the best person I can be. And, and in those moments, I'm kind of being a little selfish. But I, if I can't be mentally available for them in those moments anyways, I'm not very present as it is. Right. So it's kind of a darned if you do, darned if you don't kind of moment. Right. So all that stress, all that stuff I was dealing with eventually led to me saying, okay, I have a, a friend of mine who I go to these group sessions with through the Wounded Warrior Project. Okay. Um, we do, and you know, they work with the military and stuff too, so... But a, a bunch of us veterans, we get together and we meet up once a month and several other times, like we do outings and stuff. But we meet up and we talk about what's going well with us, what's not going well with us. And the guy who leads the event, he has a, he has a service animal. And a few of our other people also have mm -hmm. service animals. And so that kind of led me to see the change in him over time but also how it felt to have even even just the dog in the room. Right. And I thought to myself, this this could be something that could help. Yeah. You know? So, so. what, because there's, I think, a lot of people, when we think of, of service dogs, we definitely think of C&I dogs, right. for sure, um, who do have a very unique set of skills. Right. Not to quote Liam Neeson here, but they do. <laughs> um, and they will use them. What does Gem do for you? Because I feel like you have a different set of needs, clearly. Right, right. And what does Gem do for you to help you go out and enjoy life in public and in those situations that once made you very anxious? So these dogs are trained to perform tasks. Mm -hmm. It's very important to understand that they don't perform tricks or, you know, they're not doing... Right. They, they do tasks. They, they have specific skills they've been taught to provide something for the person they're, they're, they're partnered with. Right. Gem works like Gem can provide a barrier between me and other people. You know, like nice, during yeah. this pandemic, we were supposed to be six feet apart. And there's people who don't respect that. Right. And if they don't right. respect it now, like during COVID, imagine what it's like when there's not COVID. So what she can do is provide a barrier between me and another sure. person, which is really great. Yeah, um, because you want that space. And, and right. for you, you probably just right. want it a little bit more than... Than right. normal. Right. And so and she's there to kind of give you that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Long before everything that's gone on for the last couple of years, I just did not feel comfortable with somebody behind me. It just. Yeah. And that's from my time in the military. That's from my time growing up in New York City. That's just a lifetime of looking over my shoulder. I don't like people behind right. me. And so, you know, she provides that barrier. She also provides some hearing assistance, which right. is unique. They, there's, they don't really have many service dogs who have hearing skills. Like, like she's not assigned to a hearing person, but I have hearing loss and right. tinnitus and I wear hearing aids. Right. So she can alert me if somebody's calling me and she'll, she'll come over and she'll nudge my leg. She'll let me know somebody's calling me. and it'll You'll never be able to ignore your wife ever again. Exactly. Yeah, we talked Every, about everybody, that. Everybody, they were like, you can't, you can't ignore it. You can't pretend anything anymore. No, no more selective listening. That's right. That's right. Because now you have a, a dog who's smarter than many humans to right. tell you, hey, 
answer right. this person. Exactly. Exactly. So a little bit more privately, and I don't mind getting personal here because, you know, we're trying to tell you, you know, the gravity of, of what, what this services provide. She's also trained to provide nightmare interruption. Mm, mm-hmm. So in the middle of the night, she's not necessarily staying awake all night long, keeping an eye on me. Right. But if somebody starts jostling in bed and rustling around, you can hear that she wakes wakes up, up she comes over and she provides pressure on me to help me settle back down and not, uh, not kind of writhe in bed. Right. So she does that as well. She also provides anxiety disruption. So like, you know, you ever like sit at your desk and your knee starts, start shaking. Oh yeah. When you yeah. get that, the, you start getting that nervous Restless twitch or leg. something. Maybe yeah. your eye, my eye twitches sometimes. That's yeah. how I know I need yeah. to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> like if, if it's rare, but if the eye twitch starts happening, I'm like, ugh. The irony to... is, is, is eye twitch is probably a very common thing among service members. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I, I actually know a few service members who suffer severely from eye twitches yeah. and things like that. I'm grateful that mine's rare. But anyways, yeah. to your point, yes, so, I totally know what you're talking about. <laughs> so I have a really bad, when I'm dealing with anxiety, my leg shakes a lot. And we're still working on that skill. It's a skill that... So when... We went through training and everything. There are still skills that are, are that have to be worked on and right. grown. And so they also, on top of teaching me how to manage her in public, they teach me how, how to teach her new tasks right. and new ways to provide assistance to me. Yeah. So you guys really have a partnership. Right. right. And continuously the, growing. And it, it's not, it's like, because we view dogs as pets. So she's not really right. your pet though. Like... Like your Frenchie's your pet, right? But she's like your partner in crime. But, she's my partner, yeah. But it's it's I see how how you interact, and she definitely is treated very well. Oh yeah, and yeah. and everything. And so I wanted to talk too because I'm sure Joe for lunch today you're going to go to Panda Express and get <laughs> get what you always get. Uh, I might I might I might try something new. I might experiment. I like Charlie's. Charlie's we'll is really good. We'll see. I'll see what you come back with. Yeah. But if you see Joe out, and you will, and because if everywhere he goes, the dog goes. Yes. So Jem has has a blue vest on, and so when she's wearing that vest, I think most people know this, but we're just going to say it again, mm-hmm. she's working, right? so to speak. So you can't run up and pet the dog. You can't, you know, talk to her like a puppy like you like to. Like when, when the vest is on, it's showtime, right? right? Right. Now, if you happen to come to the office here and her vest is off like it is now, yeah. That's when you can interact with the dog, with your permission, of course. Right. So, for example, today I came in, and uh, and Jem is nicely laying in her little bed here, and she just came up to me on her own accord, did a big puppy stretch, got some pets, got some good girls, got some pets, and she's like, okay, and turned away. Yeah. And left and went and and laid back back down. I'm I'm sitting here talking about her, so for those obviously you cannot see, but she's completely ignoring me right Mm -hmm. now. She is Mm -hmm. not interested in all. Um, I mean, maybe she's eavesdropping on me. Like, what's yeah? What's, she's what's she you. saying she's to me? Hearing you, yeah. She better be saying things about me. But point is, if this were my dog or probably your Frenchie, it'd be all over us right yeah. now. And and she's so. First off, let me let me go back on this. She only walked up to you because I released her from what she right. was doing. Right. She doesn't just naturally do that. Right. Like, she has her moments when she understands the difference between right. Yeah. And because because the vest yeah. was off and right. you, had, you right. had let her know. That. Right. So even if the vest is off, I would never just right. pounce, right. pounce right. on the dog. And so, um, 
And I say that for those because I do hope that you see Jem and Joe out in public and just, just to know this in any service dog that you come across, whether it's a CNI dog or, you know, a service dog like, like what you have, mm-hmm. Joe, just know that that vest usually means that they're in business and you just need to, right. to leave them alone right. and not, not be silly or pet or whatever. It's hard. I'm a yeah. huge dog lover. Yeah, but you wouldn't walk up to a service member and start, hey, good job, buddy. You know, I mean, you'd say thank you for your service or something or, or thank them for just, you know, doing what they is do. Is that an option? Well, Can I do that? Rub their belly and say good job. <laughs> I, I was going to say good job, to. buddy. I, was, I didn't know belly rubs were a thing. No, I'm not doing that. I dare you to. <laughs> you do it to your husband next time he comes up. It's like, hey, good job, buddy. <laughs> Oh, dear Lord. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I don't want to get a reputation that I'm going to go around patting service members on the heads and say, hey, good, hey, job. good job, buddy. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that in my heart, but I'm not going to I tell you it. what you should do, actually. <laughs> Whenever you pass by a service member, if they look like they're in a glum mood, throw up a high five and try to see if they give you a high five. Yeah. You don't understand. It's very hard to not smile when somebody's giving you a high five. That's true. It feels really good. I used to do that at one of my previous locations. I used to give people random high fives. So I've often thought about doing that, but I thought people think I'm weird. But that's okay. People might think I'm weird anyways. <laughs> people probably think I'm weird anyways. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's what I want to see. I want to see okay. people giving high fives. Hives. Let's high start fives. Let's trend. All around the installation. Like yeah. People at Fort Meade, like I want you going to get a high five for the, for the day. Yeah. So I'd high five of you were sitting too far away from each other right now. You know, air five. Air five. But it also forces you to come a little bit out of your comfort zone. That's right. Which is tough. It's tough for everybody. But that's what this whole thing with me and Jem is. It's to get me out of my comfort zone. Right. Because I've become comfortable with not participating in life. Yeah. And and that's that's not healthy. We all need that social interaction. We all need to be around people. So it's what makes us resilient people. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. Um, Well, well, Joe, thank you so much for sharing some of your your more personal experiences. And it's so cool having Jem here. And I will say that I benefit from having Jem here because when she is allowed to get the pets and the the belly rubs, the dogs, not the service members, uh, (laughs) I truly enjoy it. It it does, I mean, it does lift your spirits a little bit. And so I'm excited for people to, to meet Jem and see Jem and really be open to how accessible these dogs can be, especially for our, our veterans installation. There's lots of great organizations. Yours is Canine Companions, but there's a lot of great organizations. There's for a lot of great dogs. ones so, out there. Yeah, I and mean, you could Google them. I was going to say, a yeah. Google search probably yeah. does it. But all right. Well, that was too much fun. I wish that, that Jem was a little... She's sleeping peacefully right now. Yeah. Probably not sleeping. I feel like she's faking it. Well, she's waiting to hear my command voice. Mm-hmm. When I call her name a specific way... She knows she's it's kind time. of like a service member in that she's like, I'm getting my rest now because I never know when Joe's going to exactly, call me. Exactly, exactly. Like she's like, I'm chilling now because in two minutes he could call me. And I'll be working for three hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of working for for three hours, Fort Meade is getting ready to say goodbye to a longtime yes. member of the garrison here. Yeah. Bit of a Renaissance man. If you work here at the installation, you know him as our safety officer, Mr. Kirk Vector. Yeah. Uh, he, he's been around for a minute. Started his military service career, enlisted in the Army during mm-hmm. the Vietnam. Yeah. Uh, he went on to OCS, Officer Candidate School, became an Army pilot. I did not know this. Yeah, that's crazy. That's super cool. Like, 
to know Kurt is to, I mean, he really is a Renaissance man. That's definitely the right word we're using here. I did not know that he was an army pilot. What I, and along the way, he picked up proficiencies in not one, not two, not three, seven languages. That's crazy. That's, that's a talent. I speak one. Yeah. And sometimes that up. Yeah, right. So (laughs) the proficient in seven is incredible. Uh, He's a, he's super talented. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, musician, he's a musician, he's a singer. Yes. I mean, he performed in bands in high school and, you know, continues to perform locally. He teaches himself new instruments. Yeah, we just had um, a deputy garrison commander retire. He played the guitar and performed a song at his retirement ceremony. It was so cool. Whenever we're at an event and the Army song is playing, I can hear Kurt above and else, and he's joyfully singing it. It's it's one of the coolest people in the installation. Yeah. You know what I love, which is perfect for this episode, is that his job as safety officer is to stop shenanigans on base. I just had to throw that one more time in there. I think we before he leaves, we need to get we need to do like a reel or something with him to the safety dance. Ooh, that's a good one. So how much we got we gotta make it quick. Like yeah. he, he's out of here soon. Yeah, yeah, I, I I agree. That would be pretty awesome. But anyways, uh, you know, our Meet TV host Brian Spann, he spoke with uh with Kirk recently, um, as Kirk's winding down over forty years of military and government service. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's so awesome. That is very awesome. Here's Brian's interview. We're talking with Fort Meade's Renaissance man, speaker of, I don't know how many languages. Well, I've what, been, What's the I've, count now? I've got uh, DOT validation with some proficiency in six additional, so that's seven. And then uh, I pride myself on knowing phrases, and I can give greetings in 32 different languages. How did, how did it all get started for you, this, the, the language thing? Well, I uh, started with English, and I saw a big word, and I'd want to know what it meant. And then I took Latin, which is, you know, real good. In grade school? That was in high school. High school? Yeah. That's after I'd taken German in junior high. So uh, the Latin was the best, uh, was a vocabulary builder. And and so then I, you know, was interested in languages, and uh, got interested in the Bible. It's written in uh, Greek. So I studied the ancient Greek, which also helps with modern Greek, and then also studied, uh, uh, majored, uh, my second part of college was in Near Eastern languages, so that was Hebrew and Aramaic and uh, Phoenician, etc. So you're always, you're always studying new, something new then? I am. All right, that's 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 pretty amazing because I have a hard time with English. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, there are different dialects of English, so I, I found that out in the South. You don't say, "I will go to the store." I'm fixing to go to the store. <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, career before you you came to Fort Meade. Um, tell us a little bit about your army career. Okay, well, we I think we should start before that. So, well, look, you know, all right, let's, yeah, let's, I mean, let's I, go on back. I grew up, you know, and I was interested in sports. And then uh, high school, I got interested in running, so I made the team. So I did a lot of running, which I continued uh, in my military career. And I, I won, like at Fort Meade, I won the uh, post six mile, and I won the post half marathon and things like that. I won the tradoc half marathon. So, so I did that, and then uh, also played chess. Our team... Uh, came in second and fourth in the state in chess, so that was another additional thing. 
And uh, as I said, in college, then I began to study the languages, and mm-hmm. I was on the track team. So you're from around here? I'm from Seattle. You're from Seattle, okay. Right. So then uh, I did some graduate work, and then I joined the Army. So then it was an enlisted career at Fort Benning in the infantry, and I went to officer candidate school. So I did the basic course, Airborne and Ranger, and then I went to Fort Dix training, and then I went to flight school. So then I flew helicopters and went to Fort Hood. Then I went. So to not the, just languages, all kinds of occupations right, as right. well. Yeah. So then I went to the infantry advanced course in Fort Rucker, where I did a bunch of instructing, in, including tactics. And then I got off active duty and went into the reserve, maintained uh, helicopters, and ultimately uh, I went. I was called to active duty in civil affairs in 2003 to four, and went to. Baghdad, Iraq, and I used my Arabic. And you know, it's funny. Uh, it segues into the languages. I w- I told some of my major in college, and they said, "Well, you'll never use it." And yet, there we rolled in to uh, <laughs> Kuwait and Iraq, and I was speaking Arabic. And you know, not everyone spoke Arabic, of course. So, so I could read signs and talk All to right. people. So, so I guess you, people really kind of relied on you a little bit then, huh? They did. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, in fact. One time I was with this fellow, and uh, uh, he was firing them. Okay, they were at a site, and I said, you know, I wish you would have told us you're, they're firing because they could have gotten upset. Uh, so I talked to him in Arabic, and I said, there's an ichtima'a, you know, there's a meeting on Wednesday, and so they, they pacified him. So that was helpful to speak to him. <laughs> I, I, I bet. Right. And so then uh, uh, in uh, 94, I joined the... Uh, uh, civilian course. So I started at uh, taking safety courses at Fort Rucker, where I'd done helicopter pilot training. Mm-hmm. So that's you know, and I'd stationed there. So, so it was coming home. You know, I, I hate to put you know pin people down, but what what was your favorite assignment? I, it doesn't have to be four meet, obviously, but I mean, what was your favorite assignment over the years? Well, I, I really liked uh, doing the advanced course at Fort Rucker. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was an instructor job and. Uh, very technical and very educational because, uh, um, you know, when you're doing with the, you know, the Army, the operations, the key thing is the synergy, uh, using all the parts. Before we talk a little bit about uh, your time here at Fort Meade, uh, I was just thinking about um, when uh, Colonel Sprague was leaving and you gave him the, the vocal tribute and it reminded me of a couple of commander's calls over the years where you got up and sing. I mean, do you enjoy singing? I mean, do you do it? Right. Do you yeah. often yeah. outside and, of... Right. I've been... Uh, well, I, I first started playing guitar and singing when I was in junior high. That's where I learned. And I also, had, when I was in elementary school, learned the piano. And then I added... It's it's funny experiences. I was on a boat that went from Seattle to Victoria, British Columbia. And there was a girl from New York. And she showed me how to play harmonica. So I even added that. In fact, when I was at Fort Rucker as instructor, I would introduce my classes by playing the harmonica <laughs> as an icebreaker so you know I, I incorporated that um, so you know I was in a band uh, in for a while in high school and we performed different locations and I've performed different places I performed in the chapel so getting back to your time here at Fort Meade we talk about some highlights going back right well I, I think the biggest thing uh, you know my transformation of thinking uh, was uh, I worked with the ASAP uh, director, Ken Jones, and uh, I was expanding safety into the health uh, promotion domain. Um, 
you know, we stood up the health promotion with all the different programs. Uh, and I'm hoping that it could be revitalized, some of those in the future. Uh, but we would work every day. And then uh, he was uh, told to stand up a suicide coordinator. And so he came up with some funding uh, to do assist training, applied suicide intervention skills training. And ironically, the uh, vice chief of staff of the Army was, was really uh, promoting suicide prevention, uh, General Corelli, mm -hmm. who went to my high school in Seattle. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and he graduated, and then three months later, I started going there. So I had that Seattle connection. In fact, uh, Colonel Nyland and the uh, uh, yeah, uh, commander of Kimbrough uh, yeah. both went Colonel, to the University Colonel of Washington, Michael. where I graduated. So, uh, so for a time, I, monthly, I was... Uh, contributing in that those uh, that training and ultimately they got a suicide prevention coordinator but what I saw the biggest thing in safety was was the component of people's behavior and unfortunately safety had been tasked throughout my career to alter behavior by a briefing so there right. might be a weekend. Death by PowerPoint. Right. So they'd say, okay, you know, give a safety briefing. So you tell people to be careful. And then they get in a wreck. And then they ask what's wrong with safety. You know, why, what, how come you guys didn't give a good safety brief? What I learned here is that, you know, you give them as much information. Unfortunately, you know, through my studies, I, I know a lot. And I wish people knew more. I tried important little tidbits, you know, and I tried to select the tidbit at the time and place that'll be the most important. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, that's a key component, safety briefings. But the other thing was the behavior. I saw that, you know, I tell people not to drink and drive, but what if they are have a substance abuse problem? You know, we need to team with them and they need to, uh, the ones that get involved because right. my briefing is not going to affect someone who commits a felony when you're impaired and you get in a vehicle you committed a felony um let's let's talk a little bit about the future what, what are your plans uh, going forward oh well, I, i'm you, sure there's going to be more more language study and music music yeah well you know it's funny, musical but, appreciation yeah you know it's funny because uh, you know they say well what are you going to do when you retire well no it continues to be what i won't do you know because there's too much to do exactly so you know i mean i've got the music and you know i write songs and play songs uh, in fact at my high school reunion i sang with the band gloria you know <laughs> so so they seem to like that so you know there's that to do and also uh you know i want to continue my fitness you know so uh I wasn't intense in some of my years, so you know I want to continue uh, weight training and running, and I like to hike, get out, and you know I love to travel, right? Especially you know, uh, like I drove up to Montreal, and it was fun to try to speak French with the people, you know? and it was funny because uh, see, this is the language thing. So I'm in a restaurant in Montreal talking to the guy, and he, you know, wasn't real impressed and didn't seem very affable. And then I found out he was Greek, and so I hit him with some of the Greek I know, and then we were friends. <laughs> <laughs> so those are just some of the things, but the, you know, the list is way longer than that. So. Well, you are truly a citizen of the world, there, <laughs> Kurt. Um, you know, it's it's been great working with you over the over the years. We did have you. You're talking about genealogy. We did have a little adventure in West Virginia. You found. Tell us that story about uh, your cousin. I believe your cousin in France. Right. Uh, yeah. In France. Right. Yeah. I uh, found a. Uh, 
some dog tags. Right. Well, if we go chronologically, it was I put a thing out on uh, on the internet. See, and the, you know, we talk about different technologies. So I put this thing out on the internet. That does anyone know my grandfather, who was William James Spector? And I got a note from a lady says, "Well, I can." give you some information. Well, I find out that she's my dad's cousin that I'd never heard of. And so she lives in Missouri. And we, you know, we're talking. In fact, it, we were talking every day and it's tragic that she passed away. But in that process, um, she had reached out to people with my Fector side who were in Northern France. And uh, my third cousin had developed, started and worked on a genealogy, had 300 Fectors. So, and some of my people went to France where my great-grandfather was born. Uh, the house that he was born in was dismantled by the Nazis when they invaded, you know, but I've been to that now. Uh, it's an, that's another story, but, you know, I physically met him. So when I physically met him, uh, prior to that, he had found a dog tag, uh, or a, he got a dog tag from a French soldier, and it was an American dog tag. So... That was handed to him, and he reached out to me, and he handed it to me when I was in France. We took a picture. Now, the next thing is, uh, periodically, we have people helping us out. They're in transition with the intel people. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had, like, a couple Air Force intel people, and I said, hey, what can you guys do? Well, they did fantastic. They did some searching, and they located a historian in the area of, of Hearts, uh, West Virginia, who knew the family and knew the uh, grandson of this, the owner of the dog tag. So then we set up a, you know, a trip to West Virginia uh, to present that, and we got TV coverage. And you yep. were in on that. It was, and it was, to get there, we it was we, a great trip. It must have been pretty amazing for that family, though, to 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 find this, to find these dog tags, you know, out of the blue and all the way from France. Like, I just I just remember them. Thing, you know, there was just kind of disbelief. Yeah, I think you know it was just a connection. You know, here's a, someone you had heard about, and you, you know, you, you know, he's passed away, but here was a legacy. You know, that this was a dog tag. You know, that he and he and it was found where he was. You know, he lost it right there on the Maginot line. You know. And, all right, Kirk, that's about all the time I have for for today. Um, you're gonna be missed. You know, um, I mean, anybody that's been in the garrison over the last 10, 15 years knows who Kirk Vector is. So best of luck to you, and we, we wish you well, and I hope you come back and visit us. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And, of course, you know, if I were to thank everyone, uh, it you know, that would exceed the uh, amount of days. That we, we, right. No, I'm very grateful, you know, for the opportunity, and, uh, you know, very thankful. Thanks again for the time. Great. Thank you, Kirk. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as iTunes. We're also on divotub.net if you search Fort Meade Declassified.